Welcome to The Honest Uproar, a podcast where modern, child-free women share their life stories and where we discuss important topics for the kid-free community. I'm Isabel, your host and founder and firebrand of The Uprising Spark, a digital platform that offers life coaching products and services for modern, independent, child-free women. Our aim is to build a strong female community and to connect empowered women around the globe. Hello, Firecrackers, and welcome to a new episode of The Honest Uproar. Uh, we have our guest today is in Canada. Her name is Lenora. She used to be a violinist, and she's now the creator of The Bitchy Bookkeeper. Uh, so welcome to our show, Lenora. I'm very happy that you're here with us. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Tell us about yourself. Anything that you want to share? Okay. Well, my name is Lenora. I am 36 years old. And I live in Canada, in the western part. So the opposite of Toronto, because that is where everyone assumes all Canadians live, (laughs) is in Toronto, which is not true. Yes, I am the creator of The Bitchy Bookkeeper. Uh, I started writing a year ago about my decision to not have kids. And so it's just spawned into a small brand. And currently, I I write and create um, social media content that is relevant to living child-free. Uh, it's hard to say what a job description is. Like I, I used to have, I used to be a musician and I used to be an office manager and essentially I'm an entertainer at heart. So right now I entertain via writing about not having kids. <laughs> That's my kind of subject. Uh, okay. So tell us a little bit about what you did before. So you were a violinist, uh, you were a musician. Yes. I actually started really young. I started training uh, classically um, for violin and piano when I was seven. And I started teaching when I was 15 years old. And that actually became full-time immediately. So I had to um, attend uh, an online high school because I didn't have time to go to regular school. And I I started teaching full-time. And I was was doing my other music training and music exams and performances and stuff. Because I knew I wanted to be a professional violinist and I wanted to be a teacher. So... It it started super young, so I had ten years of that of of performing, of teaching, and uh, then at twenty five, I was like, you know, I haven't dated, I haven't, I haven't had a life like I never partied. I was very, very focused on music, and I had no other experiences really. Like I'd gone to college, and you know, I had a part time job in an office, but no, no social experience really, aside from religion, which is a whole other ball game. So at 20, it was 25, I officially stopped teaching and tried to make a go of it as a performer full-time. And I just crashed and burned. And because I, I realized, and I, I was not ready to admit this publicly, but I, I didn't want to do it anymore. And I had no identity other than being a violin player, right? So that was very tough. And... So then the next 10 years, long story short, next 10 years, I lived, I, I did the things teenagers do. I partied, I discovered sex, you know, I discovered men, women, I discovered, you know, just the party scene. Like I, I enjoyed, I wasn't stupid. You know, I was 26 years old, so I had a bit of a brain, but I, I just enjoyed life. And I discovered, you know, I like business and I had different jobs. Um, the longest being an office manager for a bakery here in the city I currently live in. And I loved that job. Um, the only thing is, is it cut me off creatively because I was just 50 hours a week of work basically. And I didn't travel or anything. And so 
it kind of came to a point where I, I decided, you know, it's time to get back into a creative space because that's, I'm naturally artistic and I, I want to entertain people, but I didn't know how. So I, I, the job ended because the business closed, which was perfect because I had time and money to do whatever. So I did whatever for a year and that was in 2017. And then last year was when I started writing and that's when the Bitty Bookkeeper idea came and I had this urge, like one of the topics was, you know, not having kids is a super important discussion and it's something I'm oddly passionate about sharing. I don't know why, but I just am. So I realized, well, let's just start writing about it and use, you know, I like the idea of using my life experiences to entertain people, not because it's been amazing or not, you know, but I've, I've gone through things like I've lost my mother when I was 22 and I grew up in a bizarre religion, if you will. And that really shaped a lot of how I am and why and certain things I do and don't do. And so there's a lot of just things that have happened in my life that I can use as entertainment. So writing, and I never was interested in writing before, aside from a book I tried to write, which, you know, I, my skills have luckily improved since. But so it's all just kind of been snowballing into where I am right now, which is fun and exciting and scary <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the best that's the best thing yeah fun, exciting and scary yeah totally so, <laughs> so what how old were you when you realized you didn't want to have kids when I consciously understood I was 22 as a child motherhood did not interest me I didn't like what I was seeing like I had a great great mother we didn't get along but you know my mother was a she wanted to be a mom and she was a stay-at-home mom, and she invested her time and energy into us, my brother and I. But I knew I did not want to grow up to be that, but I did not know I had a choice. Like, I, I just assumed it was inevitable. I thought one day a husband and a kid is going to show up in my life, and I just have to deal with that. But 22 years old is when the light bulb went off, like, hey, I have a choice. And and then I and then I was like, yes, okay, well, I don't want kids. <laughs> and, then, and then that was it. That was it. Yeah. There was there was no going back on that. I just I was like, that's it. And that's when I first vocalized it. So that's that's great. I think that it's very common to hear child-free women say, I didn't know I had a choice until yes. like something like it hit me, you know? It's weird. Yeah, it? it is. It it blows my mind. Like when I think I have a specific memory from I was around seven or eight, and I don't know if you're familiar with the Babysitter's books, the Babysitter's yeah. Club books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, I grew up reading those, right? So my, I, I, was, I remember sitting in my bed in my room, and I would think, like, I'm going to name my daughters after some of these characters. And I, I still remember that, because it's just, it was automatic, because you just assume. And when I think back now, I'm like, wow, like, nobody... I knew people that didn't have kids, but there was a reason for it. They were ministers or in like in my particular upbringing, they were almost ministers or, you know, they just got married older is what my mom would tell me. They got married later in life, so they didn't have kids, but I never knew it was an option. And I grew up in Canada where we're free to do whatever we want. Like, I'm, I, you know, that's the thing that shocks me now as a 36 year old woman going, okay, I grew up in a free country <laughs> still nobody told me we didn't have to have kids like <laughs> there's something slightly wrong with that yeah no i think so so it's, you know so, so how do you pronounce this word societal societal anyway pressure from society so, oh societal 
okay, yes, societal. Yes. Societal pressure, it's very, yes. it's very strong everywhere. But that's it is. not only it is, yeah. Cultures that's true. very that's true. You know, quote unquote liberal countries, it's still very, yeah. very strong. And maybe because like even though I grew up grew up here in Canada, it's like my my upbringing wasn't what I would cons- uh, describe as normal just because of the lifestyle that my parents chose. So I was around a, a religious, they don't like to refer to themselves as a religion. So a lifestyle, a certain lifestyle that family is what you saw. You didn't see grand careers or ambition that way. So, you know, there's, I, I tend to share a lot of that in my writing because that is a big part of, of what shaped me and what I grew up seeing and partly why I didn't want to become a mom because <laughs> that's what I was seeing I wasn't seeing women go out and do uh like become movie stars or or ballerinas or whatever you have like I didn't see anyone develop something outside of the home yeah women like female wise so it's interesting you mentioned that you know what happened something really weird happened to me the other day um I didn't grow up in a religious household I was I'm in several child-free groups on Facebook some of them are a lot more positive than others, but yeah, you know. I, know. <laughs> I know. Yes, it's positive. I think it's you know it's a, it's people just need to let some steam out. It's fine. They do. But then it was a girl. She sent me a DM. I don't. I've never you know spoken to her before, and she said to me, um, "So you know, I read you're a coach for uh, child-free women. Have you ever had a child-free woman who has been brought up as a Mormon?" Oh, wow. Like, yeah. And I was like, uh, well, I can't say I've had the pleasure. No. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and she said to me, you know what? I'm going to send you some links. She offered to send me some links because wow. she said that the pressures of becoming a mother within the Mormon community where like it, the, you just assume you're going to become a mother. Like you just, there's no way that you're not going to bear any children. Right. And totally. so there's psychologists that, uh, I mean, who wrote some things specifically about that community, that religious community. And I thought, wow, that's really interesting because to me, my head is like, I have no idea what she's talking about. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know. That is fascinating. Uh, oh, <laughs> I love that because, oh, why do I love it? I love it for so many reasons. I mean, I love anyone that's going to buck the tradition of how they grew up and their, and, and their uh, you know, ideals and kind of venturing out on their own but I think I'm at the place now where I can appreciate someone else's uh journey who came from a religious background I don't care what it is because I'm open about talking about my experience now where you know in previous years I wasn't because it's it's weird and personal and you know it's just another thing where people are gonna look at you funny right Mm -hmm. but hearing that and and Mormon especially I mean I grew up with a lot of Mormons not that I'm a part of them but I went to school with a lot of uh, Mormons and some of my friends were in that religion and I, I get it <laughs> I've been to some of their youth groups like the great people great people it's not about that but that is fascinating and I it's really cool sorry I, I do this I like to go off on on this particular topic <laughs> go ahead but that's the thing about I'm learning as I'm sharing my own journey is that there are so many different perspectives you know, like I, uh, just within the religion topic alone, like you have, you didn't grow up that way. So it's probably eye opening to you because you're like, wow, okay. I never thought of it from that way. 
and I'm meeting people like the, the childless by circumstance is not something I ever thought about before, but I, I really now, um, keep that in mind when I'm sharing my own stuff or conversing with somebody because it's added like all these different perspectives have added such an amazing richness, just even to my own thought process, mm, you know? Yeah. And, and so sharing and hearing stories and that, like, I guess the religion angle always gets me excited because I really want to know how they've gone through it and, and, and what is their experience and even just on a faith, like what their own faith has become, you know, like I'm, I'm agnostic. So I don't, align myself i was raised christian but i don't identify with any of that i take bits and pieces from from my own understanding and some i can label some i can't so i just you know i don't align to one particular thing but uh i i love i love hearing those you know backgrounds from people like that especially because i i get that i understand that yeah so that's exciting would you like to talk a little bit about your your experience how it was growing up in this community Sure. Yeah. I won't. Well, I can't name names because it has no name. And I, I know there may be some people eventually who will listen to this that know who, who, what group I'm talking about specifically. So I will try and be as respectful as possible while getting my point across. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sounds fair. Because I, I don't, you know, I, I don't begrudge people and what they believe. I've just, I'm just at a different place in my life mm. discussing it. But yeah, I like to discuss it. So it's not something that my parents grew up in I, they discovered it when they were early 20s like my my parents met in college essentially here in Alberta and uh my dad's a black man and my mom's a white woman not that that matters but again I'm biracial so that has really like I've lived a life where basically I don't fit in anywhere uh which is maybe um. why I which is why I really enjoy the child-free community because it does not matter where what we're from what we believe the fact that we don't want kids that's like the binding factor so i've i've really this is the first time i feel like i've been a part of a community so uh the lifestyle is very it's very low key like you know there's no television we don't celebrate they don't celebrate holidays um it's it's just very i grew up in a very quiet household and i'm not quiet i'm very boisterous <laughs> like i love sparkle i love glitter you know there's no makeup wore dresses all the time that type of thing it was a very it's anyway uh so I came along you know my parents were married for what five years before they had me and so from birth I was raised this way and essentially it's like you know sacrifice yourself until you die and then you get to heaven as I think most religions tend to be so I grew up without understanding why I felt this way I just wanted to be a superstar I didn't even know what that was because I never saw movies never saw television you know barely listened to the radio but I was musical naturally so my mom put me in piano so music became my way to express myself before even though I was a big talker like music was the way for me to um, navigate through this world so uh you know when I was a teenager when I was 16 I stopped attending church because I was angry <laughs> And my parents actually sent me to therapy for anger management because there was something wrong with, they thought there was something wrong with me. The therapist told my parents, there's nothing wrong with your daughter. She's not mentally ill. She's not depressed. She doesn't have bipolar. She's not bipolar. She just needs to express herself. And the therapist told me, she's like, Lenora, you can figure out all of your own problems. You just need to voice it. And that changed a lot. So a lot for me. So I became more confident and I just 
took music as far as I could because that was a way for me to get out of the lifestyle I had grown up in and was expected to maintain my entire life. You know, so what, so the thing is when you, when you try and get out of one thing, you glom onto another. So music was my thing. And then when I decided I didn't want to do music anymore, suddenly I was like in this black abyss going, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I'm not that person. I, like, I, I see long-term. I always have a plan. Like I just, I'm not a person that flounders. So the minute at 26, I was floundering. Well, then I had sex. <laughs> so that's, I discovered sex. Um, <laughs> so Which is always a good time, time too. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Exactly, exactly. But I had ignored it. I totally ignored it because I was so busy with music. And you know what? In hindsight, now that I understand in my childhood journey, especially with what I'm doing now, it makes sense. And I'm glad because, you know, prior to the age of 22, again, you just assume, you know, people are like, oh, you're going to meet somebody one day. And oh, you're going to fall in love. And oh, you are going to procreate. Yeah. So yeah. I, I did go through going, okay, and I'm like, oh, I don't, I hope that person's not the person I was supposed to fall in love with. Like, you know, I was boy crazy, I was girl crazy, but I never did anything about it. Music was my thing. And I, and I see now that it took me out of that because everybody I was meeting was looking for a wife, for a husband, for a family. So, so you know, the great thing about getting older is that you can kind of see, oh, these things were here to help me avoid certain things it turns out I did not want my case was kids you know I, I I have a few friends that are still in it I actually have several friends that are no longer mm -hmm. and we have our what we call a support group just discussing <laughs> you know what we because we all grew up similar and we have same kind of insights and it's nice to just kind of bond wherever we are at in our lives and and it's somebody that understands where you've been which is super important which yeah. is why the child-free community is awesome because we understand a lot of time where where we've been or you know what we're dealing with you know you can say something and go oh I totally know what you mean yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, and that's so nice it's so yeah, nice for it's, sure. yeah, it's awesome you know that's another reason why I started this podcast because there is power in me too you know, when you hear yes. people telling yes. and you're like, oh my God, yes, I know exactly what you mean. You know, exactly what you're telling. You know, we all have something we're struggling with. And for some reason, child free is like the last on the list. Yeah. You know, like, like, no, you know, it's like the last thing that's now getting some sort of attention. Yeah. As a movement, you know, as a, well, yes. as a community being constructed is actually. Yes. And it's, it's coming. I've seen, uh, it's just hand in hand with feminism and intersectional feminism yes. hand in hand with human rights and it's hand in hand with my body my choice yes uh, you know so. uh, absolutely it, that's, that's true and again maybe in another 10 years you and I and everybody else that's that's kind of vocal about it will look back and go oh okay so this is we just fell into that timeline for whatever reason this is the timeline now of all the movements that women are are creating and participating in that are vocal and are mainstream yeah. you know this right now is the timeline where things to me it's it's become bigger in my awareness as far as meeting other people and seeing like this online community grow so in 10 years hopefully we look back and go okay yes this happened at the right time for why why ever that happened it's hopefully grown and yeah. evolved into whatever it will become You're listening to The Honest Uproar, a podcast where modern, child-free women share their life stories and where we discuss important topics for the kid-free community. 
I also saw in your um, in your blog that you are a pro-choice advocate. I am yes. so yet to meet a child-free person who is pro-life. What do you think about that? Oh my gosh. Okay, so uh, this is saying or, or uh, understanding pro-choice in a deeper level for myself is new. Um, a few months ago, I was feeling very, okay, because abortion is legal here in Canada. Now, I've never been pregnant. I'll just, I'll just put that out there. So, you know, it's, it's never been something that I've had to personally deal with. I've always felt like, whatever you want to do, like, whatever, you know, it's your choice. That's how I've always felt. But in light of what was happening in the States as far as abortion laws, um, I, I was one day very, I felt very angry. And I thought, well, what can I do on a, a local level, like in my city? And I had the idea to contact the one um, abortion clinic that's a private run clinic and see if there was anything that, you know, I could do for them, like work for them or something. So I did end up getting an interview. I did not get offered a job, which in the grand scheme of things was fine. But I went to the abortion clinic and, uh, and had an interview. And it was, a, it was a nice experience. Like I, I didn't know what to expect. And the women there were amazing. I, that experience leading up to the interview, I really started to think about what what did that mean for me to be pro-choice and the the gravity of that you know of of what like you know I watched abortion videos and I found a whole bunch of propaganda videos on from like this there was this one doctor that used to perform abortions and now he didn't and halfway through the video I'm going wait a second like there's something wrong with this so I, I did have to reconcile with what did that even mean for me to be pro-choice not just to say, oh, I'm pro-choice. Yeah, you can choose. But on a deeper level, what did that mean? And how can I support somebody who is having to make that decision? I realized, well, as I write and as I talk to you about not having kids, there's a whole other element of if, you find, if you're in that situation or, you know, like, it boggles my mind that we don't have education for every woman and, and access to birth control. Like all that stuff I take for granted where I have been able to prevent a pregnancy. You know, the last few months, again, like um, thinking, well, maybe I can help with the abortion clinic or whatever. Like that, that added something that took me by surprise where I had to really go within myself and go, okay, you know, how do I feel about it? Honestly. And still pro-choice <laughs> you know i am pro-life like pro-life has the meaning is twisted of course i'm all for living i enjoy life i i want people to live but a part of that is me having a choice like i have done everything i can to prevent a pregnancy based on my not you know like this is my circumstance i'm not speaking for anybody else so this is what I have done. But I realized that there are women all over the world and even in my own city that don't know that they have a choice. And if they find themselves in a situation that may or, you know, something they can't even prevent, you know, circumstances, shit happens, <laughs> unfortunately, but yeah. that's what happens, you know, to not be able to have a say and, and, and not be able to choose, to me, that is horrifying. And I know exactly what I would do if I were in that situation. You know, I am, I do not want to experience pregnancy. I do not want to experience childbirth. And I make no bones about that. And this is, and, and I'll, I'll say that clearly, you know, for anyone that's, that's struggling with this. I mean, it's, it, it is your choice, regardless of what the laws say. I mean, we could go on forever about this, but this is how I feel. And this is what, you know, it fires me up 
<laughs> because it's like, oh, like this, you know, there's, it, it's, it's my choice. At the end of the day, this is my body. I choose my sexual partners. I choose my sexual positions, my experiences. I mean, this is how I've gone through my life. Um, I have not come across anyone that's pro-life and child-free. I, I agree with you. I think, well, first of all, it is indeed a very personal choice. And I think everyone should be able to have a say in what they do and what happens to their mm -hmm. bodies. Uh, and not have, you know, this laws being dictated over by old white men. <laughs> <laughs> I know. That's the truth. Old white, old I know. Women are regulating women's body in most of the world. White, the old white men. And I love some old white men, like, you know, like, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> but there's this, that term now means something different in light of, yes, what's happening in various parts of the world. <laughs> And as women that are of color, if we can, I guess, call ourselves that, because I'm half brown, you know, it's like, yeah, wait a sec. Yeah, no, there's, ugh, there's something, I'm, something I'm, amiss. You know, I consider myself a woman of color. I'm Latina. I'm mixed. Uh, I'm not, right, okay. Uh, I'm not biracial, though. I'm just a big mix. Of a bunch oh, okay. I see. All right. Uh, but uh, even in Colombia, my country, we are ruled by old white men. So wow. We're, yeah. Okay. It doesn't Weird. <laughs> yeah. Weird. Uh, I was saying to my brother, I'm like, it's not that I want, like, I expect a whole bunch of people of color to start joining politics because for me, a politician is a politician. I don't care what color you are. You all annoy me. Like, <laughs> I, I want men or women. <laughs> um, really, all right. Um, Moving on, let's go back and talk about the bitchy bookkeeper. I want to know where that name came from. Oh, well, um, so last year, so 2018, I had previously kind of wrapped up some travel, big, you know, travel road trips and stuff around my country. And I went to the States for a little bit. And so I was at a point where I was like, well, what should I do? Like, you know, I should maybe get a job, do something. And I thought, well, bookkeeping interests me. I love, I love money. I'm really good with paperwork and I like to be organized. So I ended up taking a, a year-long bookkeeping course because oh. I, I knew how to do it, but I wanted to be certified. So towards the end of the course and around the time I was looking at my empty blog going, why do I do this? The name, like I heard, kept hearing bitchy bookkeeper in my head. It was just, it just, just came out of nowhere. And I thought, oh, that's funny. Mm -hmm. And I then just ignored it and whatever. And, you know, I finished my classes and I was working on these two practicums that ended up taking me six months. And I kept hearing the bitchy bookkeeper, like I just heard it in my head. And the last time I had that experience is when I kept hearing San Francisco in my head. And I, then I went to San Francisco and that completely changed my life. So I realized, okay, I'm getting a message for something and I have to look into this. But I'm like, well, I don't want to start my own bookkeeping company. And so I Googled the bitchy bookkeeper to see if anyone was using it. And there was nothing. So I thought, all right, well, I have to do something with it. The idea is coming to me. And then the one weekend where I just suddenly decided, well, I'm going to start writing. I was like, oh, well, I'll just call it the bitchy bookkeeper. Because here's the thing. It was catchy. It was memorable. People misspell my name and missay my name all the time. So to say, oh, go to Lenora Fay, whatever, they'll be spell it all wrong. And that's just a mess. So from a business perspective, the bitchy bookkeeper is easy to remember. Yeah. It's not a personal description, but I've kind of made it into an online persona that's memorable. And I... I can just tell people, yeah, go look up the bitchy bookkeeper and they remember it. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's, that's how that came about. Now I'm curious about something else. Mm -hmm. San Francisco. How did it change your life? Oh, I can't say it's a voice, but it's just, you know, that something inside of you and it was San Francisco. 
again, wouldn't shut up. So I Googled San Francisco and the first thing that showed up was Alcatraz prison. Now, I have been obsessed with Alcatraz prison since I was nine years old. As it turns out, my mother has a very, had a very morbid sense of, like she loved cemeteries and she loved all the darkness of humanity, but she was very, not a dark person. Yeah, so, so I guess I inherited that from her. So anyway, she told me about Alcatraz when I was young. I thought, man, that'd be so cool. I had no idea where it was. So when that showed up, I was like, oh, okay. I have to go to San Francisco because I'm going to tour this prison. So I did. So I booked the tour again, six months in advance planning. And I, I was like, I don't care how much it costs. I spent a lot of money on that trip. And the four days I was there, it was just mind blowing. I loved it. Like, and I travel by myself. I don't travel with people. And I just... It just opened me up. It opened me up. It opened my my mind, my heart, my soul, like everything. It just, the city just opened me up, the vibe of it. And it opened me up on a whole different level creatively. And, and I just fell in love with it. So San Francisco, like, you know, it's in October, it'll be two years since I've been there. And that place is still, you know, there's that song, Left My Heart in San Francisco. Well, now I understand why. I mean, that that place, that, that the spirit of whatever I experienced inspires me on a daily basis. Yeah, so that's awesome. Yeah. So that's that's my San Francisco. <laughs> and I've never I've never been to the West Coast in the U.S., but oh, I, yeah. Everyone who has traveled uh, has one of those, you know, San Francisco's. So that yeah, sort of city that yes. you, yes. you know, continue coming back to, and you're like, oh my god, yeah. Stay here, and every time you come back, you find different things, and you yes, that feeling of yeah. I have one of those in Canada, also on the West Coast, that I've been going to since for the last twelve years. White Rock. It's just outside of Vancouver. I mean, I just go and walk on the beach and write, and you know, my people are like, "Oh, I want to come on vacation with you." I'm like, "No, you don't." I just sit and go deep within my soul and figure out what it is I came here to do. So would you say that, you know, those moments of reflection and, you know, you being away and traveling by yourself and is that a way for you to not only replenish your energy, but also, you know, increase your self-love or be more aware of yourself? A hundred percent. It took me a long time because I'm very outgoing, but I got that confused. Like I didn't understand what that meant. I thought that meant I wanted to be around people all the time because I'm chatty. I think around the age of 27, I began to understand that no, <laughs> I actually don't like to be around a lot of people. Like I love to speak with people, but I don't get energy from people. So I get energy by being alone, which is the complete opposite of what you would think because I am, you know, loud and like to talk and like to entertain people but um and and my dad is like this and so that would make sense because my dad was a businessman and he's very we're very similar so when he'd come home at the end of the day he would zone out read a book and you try and get his attention and you would get nothing right i completely understand that now because when i come home and this is why I, i do live alone i don't have pets or anything it's like when i come back into my house i just want quiet i don't want anything to need me you know, I've got 21 plants and they're fed and watered for two <laughs> weeks at a time, you know. Uh, and so, so I, I have created, you know, I, I've had, I've lived with people before with roommates, boyfriend, you know, parents. <laughs> I, you know, I've lived, I've lived alone off and on from the age of 18, since I was 18. So, um, so I, I've, I know how important it is for me when I travel, but also on a, da- a daily basis to have a space where it's just me. 
because I am a better version of myself. I'm nicer. I am more creative when I have plenty of time to just calm down because see right now when I'm talking to you, my whole body's just like vibrating right now. Like I'm, I'm full of energy. And then once this is done, everything's going to be off. I might have a nap, even though it's what six o'clock now mm-hmm. in my time. Like I might have a nap or I'm, I'm just going to be silent and not speak. I mean, I don't have anyone to talk to right now in my house anyway, but so that will regenerate me because if I was like this 24 hours a day, well, I'd be dead because like there's you know like there's so much I'm I'm giving out and I enjoy it like right like I'm very I enjoy it I absolutely love it but then I need to just stop and calm myself down and go okay what's the next message you need to share just listen to some music watch a movie take a drive whatever mm-hmm. just calm and then when the next event or opportunity happens where I have to you know, it's not, you know, it sounds like putting on a mask, but it's not because there's, everyone has two sides, right? Like, yeah. I like to give energy to people and it took me years to understand this. It makes a lot of sense now. I would have made, I wish I knew this as a teenager because I didn't know this as a teenager, but um, it makes sense why I, I kind of have disassociated myself with so many groups. Like I don't socialize very much. I don't like to socialize with big groups. I like to entertain big groups, but a whole bunch of girlfriends going away for the weekend. No, that's not me. Right. It's be, and, and it's not because I, I wouldn't want to do it. Like I wish I were that type of person that wants to do it. Cause it's kind of normal, but I can't, that, that's not, that's not for me. And it's because I don't get energy from people. I give it and I enjoy our interactions. And then when it's done, it's time for me just to just be me. And do whatever it is that I'm, I feel called to replenish myself. So then the next time I can offer myself, you know, and yeah. So, so anyone listening, no, I'm not taking you on vacation with me. (laughs) That's why (laughs) some people that know me, they they don't get it because they know, they know me this way. Right. Yeah. But I'm like, you've never, this is, this is where the, oh, you'd make such a great mom thing. Oh my God. Is annoying (laughs) because you know, you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? It's like, oh, you make such a great mother. I'm like, really? Well, okay, my, I have two nephews who I adore, and I'm a very good aunt, not even to my nephew, not just to my nephews, but two other kids, like I like kids, but, you know, after three or four days, it's time for them to go home, because I invest so much of myself in our time together, like I'm not on my phone, I'm not making anything, I am being auntie, and we're going places, and we're doing things, and we're just sitting down, having a lazy day, watching a movie, and then I've given everything I have of them, and then it's time for me to give myself me yeah so being a good mother again I'd be dead by now because I'd be exhausted and that doesn't that doesn't work for me you know and you it is important for people to understand what works for them and unfortunately we get ourselves into situations where we can't get out of them you know some things are are irreversible you can get a tattoo removed but you know like the other thing is harder right so I am grateful of, of any, for anything, like if anything, I am grateful that I understood somehow a little part of me understood that motherhood is not for you because I am someone that needs that space, that alone time, that time to just replenish myself. And sometimes it takes a long time for me to get back up again. Again, it's not because I don't have chronic anything. I'm not in pain. I'm not, I don't suffer from migraines or anything. It's just, I'm embracing my soul, I guess. 
Yeah. And that takes, you know, maybe my soul is replenished all the time. I don't know, but my body needs to like, you know, get back up to where it should be to Good function. Night. Yeah. yeah. Again. So, so all those things, I don't have anything to add to that. Okay, I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> well, I have a question. Mm-hmm. Do you like yourself then? I do most days now. And, and this is, I, I believe that there's always a part of us that likes herself. We're just taught not to, yeah. to oh, embrace like, again, and especially growing up in a religious lifestyle where you're supposed to deny yourself and that you're worthless and you're not worthy until you make peace with the higher power. I've since learned how to interpret that into a more friendly version for myself. Um, where there's always been a part of me that is the same. I look at baby photos of myself and I go, Oh, I see that spark in that little girl. And I still have that same spark. And I love that spark. There is a lot of other things that happen in Lenora's life that, that she's created that I don't like so much, you know, like there's anger and frustration and impatience. And, and I've come to understand that that is not necessarily me. It's um, I believe in inherited family trauma, which means like, Anything that's previously unattended to in past generations will come into the, ch- into the child, which is another reason why I don't procreate is because whatever issues that I do not resolve myself will be passed on. And I'm not talking about a disease or anything. It's just the energy. And I've discussed with my brothers, and I actually talked to this with my nephews in a lesser intense way. Yeah. Because <laughs> we, we all kind of realize we suffer from similar anger things. And, and, I, and I explained to the kids, I'm like, it's not even ours really because I have nothing to be angry about I I have a pretty good life so I've had to learn that you know yeah I don't like it when I get angry and frustrated and impatient and sometimes it's just my head just making up stuff and sometimes I realize wait a sec this is a this is something from a previous generation I'm not gonna say previous life but you know like as I understand my grandparents and and certain family members and what they went through I go oh okay I know that this never got dealt with and for some reason it's here in, in my life. So just let the energy go. And, and so that has, that in itself has made it easier for me to appreciate the personality I have. Um, you know, I don't like making videos because I don't like how, how I look on camera. I don't like how I look in photos. <laughs> so there's that physical aspect where you're like, okay, you know what? It doesn't even matter. Like it's not about how you look, it's the message that you're sharing. So I'm at that point now where I'm more accepting. Like I look in the mirror, I put on, like I, I try and do my hair. I like makeup, I like, you know, dresses and high heels and glitter. It just, it's just a fun way to express myself. So I can, I'm starting to be able to look at myself on a physical level and go, okay, well, this is me. This is what I have. Man, I'm just going to do my thing. Yeah. And that's nice. It's freeing. Cause I wasn't like that, you know, 10, 12 years ago, there was still a lot of crap. But then I go, well, I'm never going to be younger than I am now. So just, <laughs> just enjoy it. Your yeah. skin's nice, you know, <laughs> all that stuff. Like I, I embrace the grays that come with my temple. Like I have long hair and it's got gray streaks in it. That Unless you get close, you don't notice. And I don't dye my hair. I just like, it's kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a character. So, so, there's, so there's different levels. There's the part of me that I've always liked that I maybe didn't appreciate, but there's the part of me deeply. And then there's the physical side, which we you know well every day is different (laughs) basically the more the more um glitter I wear and the higher the heels the more issues I've had (laughs) with how I look on that particular day I'm overcompensating for something (laughs) yeah I noticed that when I noticed that I was like oh I see what you're doing 
Oh, I love that. I love that yeah. so much. <laughs> oh, no, it's been such a pleasure to have you here. <clears throat> Is there oh, anything thank you. you would like to add uh, before I let you go? I do, actually. I, I think for this is for, again specifically for the child free women like don't be afraid to share your story um you know not everyone wants to you know to to be vocal about the fact that they don't want kids and that's fine um but if there's any part of you that feels like you you know you have something to say about your journey or if you want to write something or post on social media which can be a scary thing to do but you know don't be afraid or even just talking to someone or direct messaging someone like people direct message me all the time about how they feel like don't be afraid to share your story because it's liberating for like for one it connects you i can't even be well i mean you know like the connections that have been made just recently in sharing and it's powerful and it, it it's given me a whole new level of living since i've started sharing so i encourage everyone who is ready for it like you know you don't have to but if you feel any form of calling to share it share it in whatever way that's fun for you because it really enhances your life yeah. so. well i second that yeah. very yeah. true and wise words well yeah. thanks again for being here and i hope that we get the chance to interview you again because this was a lot oh of absolutely yeah no this is <laughs> what you're doing is amazing so i am following you i'm listening to your show i am i'm a fan so thank you great thank you for listening to the honest uproar a podcast where modern, child-free women share their life stories and where we discuss important topics for the kid-free community. We hope you tune in next week for our newest episode. And since we love hanging out with you, please be sure to follow us on social media at The Honest Uproar and visit our website at thehonestuproar.com. If you like what you heard, feel free to share with your fierce, child-free firecracker friends. Until next time, continue fueling your inner fire.